Welcome to the I Am Woman Project. I'm your host, Catherine Plano. I am a creative soul adventurer, a modern day alchemist, and a transformational coach for entrepreneurs, businesses, leaders, and for those who want to break the cycle of convention and redefine success one step at a time. I am on a mission to empower the conscious people of this world, those who seek to learn, grow, understand and become the very best version of themselves that they can be. Every week we have thought leaders, change instigators and inspirational human beings from around the globe that offer you profound teachings and recent discoveries from the world of neuroscience, positive, cognitive and spiritual psychology to help you build wealth, health, love and achieve lasting transformation. So join us here every week for new lessons on how to lead a life that matters, how to escalate your life after failure, and how to inject more meaning, connection, and resilience into your life and your business. This week, I am super excited about our guest. We have the beautiful Jillian Michaels. Jillian Michaels is the world's leading fitness expert, renowned nutritionist and wellness entrepreneur. With an international community of followers exceeding 100 million, Jillian's Dominance in health and wellness extends to her award-winning Jillian Michaels Fitness app, awarded Best of 2017 honours from both Apple and Google. Successful fitness DVDs, top exercises streaming platform, eight New York Times best-selling books, live speaking engagements, popular social media channels, a top podcast, and a list of key business partnerships and investments. In the past decade, her company, Empowered Media, has become a monumental wellness empire dedicated to total life solutions comprising all aspects of living well, including nutrition, fitness, self-help, and overall lifestyle. Her most recent book, The Six Keys, Unlock Your Genetic Potential for Ageless Strength, Health and Beauty, is now available. It's now time to tune into this one very inspirational human being. Enjoy. Well, I'm super stoked about our guest today. We have the beautiful Gillian Michaels. Welcome to I Am Woman Project. Hey, how are you? I'm super awesome. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, no, it's an absolute honor. And the way that we love to start the show, we always love to ask our woman of inspiration her unique story. So Gillian, tell us, what inspired you to do what you do today? To be totally honest with you, I I fell into this. I um to make a very long story short, I was an overweight kid, um and I used food for a host of emotional reasons. Uh, it allowed me to form a bond with my father who was overweight. It uh, gave me a sense of control. It gave me a sense of comfort. Um, and my parents ended up having a kind of a nasty divorce when I was around 12. So my mom had the uh, foresight to get me into martial arts. And it not only gave me an outlet for all of the kind of craziness that was going on at home, but 
it empowered me physically. So over time, as I got healthier and as I got stronger physically, it transcended into my my psyche. I had improved confidence, improved sense of self-worth. I, I believed in myself in a completely different way, or I'll say for the first time ever. Um, so at 17, I was training for my black belt. I was already, I was fit, I was healthy. Um, and I kind of fell into training other people because people would see me at the gym and ask me if I was a trainer. So, you know, at the time, I think I was, <laughs> I think I was delivering food for like $5 an hour and I, I made $15 an hour being a trainer and my mom helped me get my first training certification. And I really took the entire thing for granted. Um, I loved it. And I, you know, I was like, oh, I get to do what I love and work with people all day long. And I made good money and I didn't realize how truly special it was to me and how passionate I was about it until I wasn't doing it anymore. So in my mid twenties, I had a bunch of friends who had gone to Ivy league schools and were all working in the entertainment industry because I happened to have grown up in California and I felt really insecure. Right. And I, I started buying into the shoulds of life. You know, you should get a real job. You should be responsible. You should all the shoulds. So I, I ended up you know, falling for all the shoulds and I got a desk job working at a talent agency in Hollywood. And to make a long story short, I'd never made less money and I'd never been less happy. So I end up getting back into training when I'm 27. I start working at a sports medicine facility as a physical therapy aide. So working under physical therapists to rehabilitate patients and then ultimately graduate them into fitness training Loved it so much, realized that that was my, my passion and my true calling. Ended up opening a sports medicine facility of my own when I was 30 and then got on Biggest Loser, same exact year. And then the rest is kind of history. So it really is about my own personal journey with health and wellness and feeling passionate about the fact that it's one of the most powerful tools to impact somebody's well-being and overall sense of self, their confidence, their self-worth, their belief in their abilities across the board. Mm, I love that. And that just reminds me about the other day, I was talking to a lady who actually showed me a, a photo of her when she was 40 kilos. I'm not too sure because we have different weights in America that's or in Australia. pounds a kilo. So that's like, that's literally like somewhere around 90 pounds. Okay. So she was 40 kilograms heavier. And she was just explaining to me how when she lost all the weight, how different others treated her and therefore it changed her level of confidence, which is yeah. really, really interesting. She said she was never given opportunities until she lost the weight. Do you find, do you hear these kind of stories? God, here, here's the problem with that. It's absolutely the truth. Um, and people have been marginalized for their weight. I mean, this is, this is a, this is a theme that spans across human existence, right? Your color, your gender, your weight, your age, um, and in this particular instance, yes, she's she's at what she's experiencing, unfortunately, is very much a real thing. There is a tremendous prejudice, pre prejudice against people who are overweight. 
And unfortunately, the backlash of that has become, you know, people have felt so marginalized for so long that now you have messages like healthy at every size, which is absolutely just just not the truth. It, it denies scientific fact and it puts lives at risk. So the, the problem is we need to be able to say that everybody is equal, everybody is deserving. And when I say equal, I don't mean, you know, I've got a person that's better at this sport than me, that's better at, you know, understanding finances than me. They're better at something than me, but we're still equally deserving of health, happiness, love, and everything wonderful the world has to offer, of, of being our best selves and contributing that to the world. We are all equally deserving of the opportunity to do that. But we cannot allow this prejudice to imp impact scientific facts about health because all you're doing is allowing that person to effectively compromise the quality of and longevity of your life. So it is very much a real thing. But if we really do love ourselves and we really do believe that we're worthy, despite what other people say, it comes from wanting the best for ourselves and wanting to be our best self. And that means being healthy, not thin, but healthy, making sure you get a clean bill of health at the doctor's office. Mm. So true. And this is going to take me to, before we came on the show, our wonderful conversation, uh, filled with passion, the yeah. importance of uh, well-being. And we're talking about mental health, physical health, and well-being as a whole in this current situation. Yeah. And I love the way that you were talking about buying into the fear and all about the fear because I think that people tend to forget how important that is to stay away from the fear, from a, a mental health and a whole a holistic approach. So would you like to share some of what we were tapping into before sure. the show? Yeah, <laughs> I was going on a bit of a, of a rant um, <laughs> before we started recording. And, you know, my, my hope for this, our, our current situation, because you had said to me, you know, we're all in this together. And... I'm not seeing that reflected back, right? I, I have found that COVID, this COVID crisis, the pandemic has been weaponized and it has mobilized every possible prejudice that you and I were talking about, right? Mm -hmm. Where I've seen different races pointing the finger at each other. I've seen different generations pointing the finger at each other. I've seen different political parties pointing the finger at each other. And this serves absolutely no purpose. And when we assign blame or point fingers, essentially what we're doing is disempowering ourselves. Because by saying this is your fault and you did this and you're bad and what are you guys doing and, and going on rants on social media and all of this, you're essentially saying that you're the victim of someone else's bad behavior. And by the way, their behavior might be bad. Who knows? But it, it isn't useful to point the finger and judge because it's going to leave you in a place of feeling like you're out of control and you're subject to their actions. Whereas what you can do and what I believe we should all do is look at that other person with empathy. I'm not asking you to condone something that 
you know, you, you don't believe in. I'm asking you to try to understand why that person is engaging in that activity. And I'm also asking you to look at what you can do to take care of yourself. So there's a great quote in, uh, in a book by Khalil Gibran. It's called The Prophet. And he talks about a plant, right? How the, the fruit feeds other people. It's so generous. It's so giving. But the root of this plant is like taking from the earth, right? So one is giving and one is taking. And he's like giving, the fruit giving is the fruit's need. It's what it's there for. The root taking is the root's need. Everybody has different needs. So a person whose business has gone under, who is terrified of losing everything, who can't feed their family, yes, they're going to want the economy to reopen. They're going to want to desperately, desperately get back to work. A person who's living at home with you know, older parents who might have uh, their immunity compromised or who is just flat out terrified of the disease is going to want the economy to stay closed because that's their fear. Each individual's fear is valid. It is their fear. So even though somebody is afraid of something that I'm not or has different beliefs than I do, their fear is just as real as mine. And getting angry at them and pointing fingers and accusing people only leaves me in a place of feeling disempowered, angry, stressed, frazzled. It serves no good purpose. But what we can do with that energy is say, okay, there, there are areas of life where I am not in control, but what can I control? I can control my own self-care. I can take care of my health. I can practice social distancing myself. I can, if it's your business, how can you be proactive and take your business online? Maybe you, we're now allowed to open up and you do curbside delivery. Whatever your needs are, how can you be creative and evolve and grow to get those needs met while still keeping yourself safe and not attacking other people. Because ultimately, there, there is no other solution. And going after others and being angry is very much like it's been said, drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. It only hurts you. That's it. It's mm, so true. Forward. So that's kind of what we, you and I were... were <laughs> I know. And you know what else? For our listen. Sorry, Jillian. What were you saying? No, no, please. No, no, no. I was just, uh, I was wrapping it up. I was wrapping it up. So for our listeners, I just wanted to share something really important that Gillian uh, was sharing. We were just uh, talking about when we're walking down the street or, you know, grabbing our groceries, how when you're walking towards someone, all of a sudden they walk uh, to the left or to the right as if you're, you've got leprosy, right? And what Gillian was just saying, that she goes out of her way to say hello to people. And I think a really good point uh, and this is for all of us because there are some people out there that have been affected and impacted in such a massive way that they are alone. They are, uh, they don't have partners or they don't have family. And um, imagine what they're going through. Exactly. But what the difference to even say hello. Did you want to share that? I really love that piece. Uh, you, you know, you, well, it, it began with you telling me how kind of heartbreaking it is to as you're walking down the street, see people like walk away or look at you like, you know, you like literally like you would kill them because that is that is the fear. And unfortunately, I, I'm not quite sure how it is in Australia at the moment, but here in the States, I mean, we've got propaganda that's like stay home, save a life as if 
you stepping out of your house will kill somebody. I mean, it's, it's very, very intense and scary. So everyone is now afraid of each other or, or many people are afraid of each other. And I was saying that for me, I just continue the, like, continue the dialogue, continue waving at people, you know, continue to like, it's hard to see a smile through a mask. So hence it's like a, a hello, a how are you, a hand up, and it's not getting in their personal space because obviously they're afraid. But if you're checking out at a supermarket, right? I'm like, hey, how are you doing? How are you? Just check in. How are you? And by the way, they've been rude nine out of ten times. But I, I, they're like, I'm fine. You know, they're they're not interested, and that's and that's okay. But I just continue to expose people to human interaction of a hello how are you, a compliment. And I think that even though people are afraid, we, we need that more than ever right now. So true, absolutely. And I think that people just lose sight, the impact stress and fear has on the immune system. Oh, my God. I, I wrote a whole book about this. Please share and- it literally, it, it, it was, it's called the six keys and it, it, it looks at, honestly, it's an, it's an anti-aging book, but of course a huge component of that, right, is your immune system and the way your body functions and the ability to fight off disease and stress is, is biochemical period, end of story. And your inflammatory response, uh, when our, when inflammation is out of control, right? It starts to go after healthy tissue. When any of this stuff, fear, gets out of balance, to an extent the body turns on itself. Even mental health. This is why mental health, people sometimes need medication to break that cycle because it becomes biochemical. It's a bit like a spider's web. You have potentially a circumstance that makes you depressed, but it changes your biochemistry. And it will change the way the synapse in your brain fire and connect. And so sometimes we need a medical intervention with depression. All of this fear and stress is terrible for our bodies. And what I would recommend, because we're never going to be without fear, we're never going to be without stress, but those things actually can make you better. In fact, stress, when it comes to physical stress, is what makes us stronger. When we expose our body to stress, intelligently, that's what exercise is. The body responds by healing and repairing. This is how bones become more dense. This is how muscles become better conditioned. This is how we build more capillaries to improve our cardiovascular function, right? We apply stress to the body and the body adapts by becoming stronger. We apply emotional and psychological stress to our living circumstance and hopefully we evolve and we grow. But too much stress that isn't channeled into something proactive, which gets back to what can you do, what can you control, starts to become self-destructive. So again, another perfect perfect analogy is you work out and you create these little micro fissures in the bone with your jumping, with your weightlifting, the body sends in its stress response, its inflammatory response, remodels, repairs the bone, the bone is denser and healthier than before. You work out constantly, constantly with no rest, no repair, no time for healing, and that bone breaks down and gets a stress fracture. So use the fear and use this opportunity and bring a meaning to it. 
How are you going to grow? How are you going to use that fear to motivate you to find a different path forward, to better care for yourself, to evolve? And, and that will make you better instead of breaking you down. Oh, I love that. I love the fact that you're saying use the fear and work through the fear. So, so in, rather than sitting there and allow, allowing it to accumulate and evolve, you're actually saying do something with it. Fear is, there's no, when people talk about being fearless, there's no such thing. Every single living creature on the planet has fear. Pocusing an enemy, what does it do? Closes up. I like, there, you'll never, you'll never find a creature that doesn't have fear. We'll never be without fear. It's a necessary human emotion. However, fear can paralyze people, right? But it can also motivate you. If you're in a circumstance where you're like, oh man, if I don't figure out what to do, I'm going to lose my business. Maybe you end up taking your business online and it ends up growing into something that you never imagined and, and becomes a whole new channel of revenue for you. But without that fear to motivate you to seek new opportunities and to grow outside your comfort zone, you'll never know that. So it'll, it can motivate you to grow, evolve, and be forced out of that comfort zone if you channel it correctly. But if you turn it inward and it paralyzes you and it manifests into being a victim and anger, then nothing good can come of it. Oh, I love that. And it's so true. I think that in this time, you absolutely, there's going to be some businesses that will cease to exist and others will pivot. And I think it's, a, it's really important to have a look at what can I do to pivot my business or pivot my health or pivot whatever situation you're in because it's going to be different for everybody. And it's yes. true. I absolutely agree that there is no such thing as fearless because we need to feel the fear, walk through it, and on the other side of that is courage. You need to experience fear. You're so right. Absolutely, 100%. So, Jillian, you were talking about six keys. Would you like to share a couple of other keys you were talking about in your book? I would love to hear maybe just a couple of other keys uh, and for our listeners as well. Oh, of course. Well, I actually, if I, well, I wasn't even meaning to promote the book. I actually, I think it came out like almost two years ago now. <laughs> um, but I, you know, for me, my whatever I'm going through, I end up writing about, right? So like when my ex had our son, I wrote a book about pregnancy and having the healthiest pregnancy, prenatal, postnatal with five different doctors. And that's, that's what our experience was. And as I got older, I began to wonder, what is it that tells us to die? Why, why do I look at somebody who is 40 years old and they look like they're 25 and they're in ridiculous shape running marathons or I can look at somebody who's 25 and they're in terrible shape and they look like they're 40. You know what what is that? How much of that is quote genetics and what does that even mean? And there is nothing actually in your genetics that says die. So I I began working with different doctors and medical researchers trying to understand and it turns out that we have six body processes that are essentially responsible for how we age. And so we, we touched on two of them. One is our, our stress response. One is inflammation. Um, and then there's the length of your telomeres, your epigenome, and there's, there's a, a host of different factors. But the great news 
is that nothing is a foregone conclusion. Nothing is preordained. And while you might say, well, you know, my genetics, your genetics are dynamic. You dynamically affect how your genes express themselves by how you live. So the great news is that you can take control of your health and the trajectory of your life at any given moment. Nothing is a foregone conclusion at all. Nothing at all. Mm, it reminds me of uh, a little while ago we had a summit. We had Dr. Bruce Lipton on the show and he talks about uh, genetics as well. And he talks about um, it's the meaning we give any situation or scenario. I, I love that. I, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, with, with um, the psychology and the emotional aspects of, of well-being and health, Viktor Frankl, I, I believe. Did you ever read that book, Man's Search for Meaning? No, but I know about Viktor Frankl. I think that was pretty amazing that he was able to do that in his situation. He, this guy, for, so for those of you listening who, who don't know who he is, he uh, is one of the fathers of modern-day psychotherapy. He is a Holocaust survivor, and he wrote a book called Man's Search for Meaning, and he essentially looks at how certain people can survive overwhelming tragedy. And the, the end result is by, by bringing a meaning to it, giving it a purpose. So you, you, won't, you might not find one. You have to create that meaning for yourself. And it could be your physical health in the actions you take. It could be something like the fear you're feeling over our pandemic, whether it's, oh my God, we need to reopen or, oh my God, we need to stay closed. How can you give a meaning to this experience so you can grow? It's, it's all about bringing that meaning and that purpose, which will affect your behavior and your behavior will dictate the outcome of your circumstance nine times out of 10. Mm, so true. It also reminds me of this movie I watched a very long time ago. It's called My Beautiful Life or Beautiful Life. And it was about, it's an Italian movie. Do you know it? No, and he it's, was. It's, it's very similar to to Victor Frankl's story, and he was um, also. But he had his son with him, so he pretended it was all this. Um, uh, he made up this massive story during the whole process, which was amazing because uh, once again he changed the meaning of his situation, and he fantasized. He created this amazing story, but it's a beautiful story. Very sad though. Just in case you watch it, oh, it does uh, bring on the water walk works. <laughs> So, Julian, uh, throughout your career, what's been one of your greatest lessons learned? Oh, man, there are so many. Um, I would say for the purpose of this interview, to trust my gut. And anytime something bad has happened, other than crappy legal advice, <laughs> Anytime something bad has happened, I always, always look back and go, I knew it. And we often feel, right, like, well, they're the doctor. They're going to know better than me. Or he's the lawyer. He's going to know better than me. Or they're the producers. They do this for a living. They're going to know better than me. Or who do I think I am to question that person who's an expert? Or I don't want them to call me difficult. They'll never work with me again. I don't want to burn this bridge. I don't want to get a reputation. And here's the thing. 
when you don't trust your gut and you don't fight for what you believe in, you will manifest the worst case scenario every time. And then all those people that you were worried wouldn't work with you again, won't work with you again because the project failed. And, and by the way, everybody loves to point the finger when things fail. Trust your gut. If your gut tells you do something, don't do something, do it, fight for it, stay in your truth. Because that really is, and I don't mean to sound like a cheese ball, but it really is kind of that higher self, that more intuitive, connected part of you, inherently knowing what's right. Fight for it, 100%. Yeah, I, I could relate to that one. I think we all will. And when we're listening to this, for, even for our listeners, um, we've all experienced that where we second-guess ourselves or we get in our way or the mind gets in the way of that gut instinct. Oh, my God. Every time <laughs> and it's like it could be the pleaser in you that doesn't want to ruffle feathers you know what I mean it, it could be like your your self-confidence that thinks you know how could you possibly know better but man you take enough bad hits where you you knew the entire time like what was right and you don't act on it you will pay for it every single time Mm, I agree. Absolutely. So, Julian, the other question I have for you is I know you work with, uh, you know, you've worked with lots and lots of people. What do you think is a one of the biggest pain points to get people motivated? Because I know for me, I love running and I, I had a break from running and I find it really hard to get back into it. What is it that that stops this motivation? Because you're very motivated. I, I just, I'm very inspired by you. What is that that pain point for people or the biggest pain point that you see in people? I am so sorry. I lost you for like a good 10 seconds there. And I heard, I heard running and motivating. And then I, I was so no, sorry. No, no, 10 the, seconds. no, what all I was saying is for, for the, the question that I have for you is what do you think is the biggest pain point when it comes to motivation? So I was just sharing my story. For example, I love running. However, I've given it a break. And then, and I know I hear this all the time when, you know, people go in the gym and then they stop for a while and they find it really hard to start all over again. So yeah. what is that? Well, first of all, mo motivation is not inspiration. And let me explain the difference because people constantly come to me looking for motivation and I can't give it to you. Nobody can. Only you can motivate you. Inspiration you find outside of yourself, a story you read, a freaking person you heard on a podcast, right? Like uh, somebody's journey you, you watched on a show and you went, oh my God, if they can do it, I can do it. And it's, imagine you have a dead battery. Inspiration is the jumpstart of that battery. The problem is you shut the car off and you still have a dead battery. <laughs> So inspiration is a fabulous catalyst, but motivation is the only way to keep that car running. And that has to come from you. And there's a, a great Nietzsche quote that I'm paraphrasing horrendously, but basically it says, if you have a why, you can tolerate any how. And the truth of the matter is that achieving anything in life that's worth having whether it's a healthy relationship, a healthy body, a healthy career, it requires work, 
and it requires sacrifice. But if you don't have that why, work without a purpose just feels like punishment. It's more work. But if you have a why, work with a purpose becomes passion. So what is the why, right? What is, and, and I would ask people that I would work with all the time, what is it, you know, they would go to Biggest Loser, right? They'd show up at this, this show. I don't know if you're familiar with it. It yes. basically, they would show up, right? And they, you know, they're there to lose weight. And first day there, you, you weigh them, right? And they get on the scale and they, each and every one would give a monologue about how they were going to change their life and they were going to change the world. <laughs> I'm going to change my town and my, you know, the whole thing. Day one, they're in the gym and they're puking and they're crying and they're rolling on the floor and they're trying to crawl to the door. And I would say, what do you, why are you here? You know, what did you think was going to happen that I was going to like sprinkle dust on you and you would just shrink right up? Like, what did you come here for? And they would all kind of stop and give me like that Scooby-Doo look, you know, where they're like, whoa, you know, and they, they would sort of like pause. And then most of them would respond with, I want to be healthy. And I was like, I don't even know what that means. Like falling asleep on you. Like who cares? What does that even mean? What does it look like? And none of them would know. So you can say you want health, you want love, you want money, but these are sweeping generalizations that mean nothing. What does health look like in your life? Have you thought about it? Do you want to be healthy because you are 25 and it means wearing a two piece instead of a one piece, which by the way, nothing wrong with that. Does it mean you feel more comfortable having sex when the lights are on? Nothing wrong with that. Does it mean that you lost somebody you loved to breast cancer and you want to honor them and never let that disease claim your life? Fantastic. What does it mean to you? Does it mean being a role model for your kids? Does it mean feeling good in your own skin, strong and empowered? What does it mean? And there is no answer that's too superficial. There's no answer that's too profound. As long as you give a shit about it, as long as it means more to you than the TV show you're gonna veg out and watch instead of getting that workout in that day or sacrificing pizza and instead having a Greek salad with grilled chicken because you would rather achieve that why. And that's where the work with the purpose becomes passion. That's motivation. It's the why. It's the why that allows you to tolerate the work because without it, it just feels like punishment and life is punishing enough. Wow. I've got goosebumps. Your passion is coming through through the ethernet and through the other side of the planet, it's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Where do you, I'm curious, where do you get your drive from? Oh, man, everywhere. So, you know, of course, when I was younger, I, man, I was overweight. I was gay and didn't even know I was gay. So I was bullied in school. I was troubled at home. And at first, I just wanted to feel like I could kick someone's ass, right? Like this is me at 12, but I was like the next person that comes up to me and calls me a name, I'm gonna kick their ass. And then of course, the day I felt able to do that, nobody ever picked on me again. And it's because I respected myself. I carried myself differently. So I think the first thing I wanted was self-respect. And then from there, 
I'm like, all right, I'm getting the hang of this. I got a little self-respect. I believe in myself. I got a little self-worth. I, I want to look good. I want to feel like I look good because now I'm in my, you know, late teens, early twenties. Then I get a little bit older and I start making money this way. And then I'm like, well, I want to make money doing this. So I better show people that I know what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> so it's like, I gotta, you know, I gotta walk this talk. I gotta show that I gotta be my own before and after photo here, my own success story. So now I'm financially motivated. And then I have kids and now I want to be a role model for my kids. And I want to be the mom that's on the paddle boards with them on the ocean or on the snowboard alongside them. I don't want to be the sideline mom. And there's nothing wrong with that, by the way, but I personally don't want that. I want to be an inspiration to my kids. I want to live to meet their kids. So now I want to stick around for my, you know, great grandchildren that I've never met. So it's, you know, it evolves as I evolve, but my motivation touches every aspect of my life. Mm, it's very deep, isn't it? Very deep. It's, I can feel it as you're talking through it. It's a very deep ingrained emotion that gets you up and do the things that you do, which will take me to the next question. I'm curious, talk me through a day in the life of Jillian. What does your day look like? Well, it depends, right? A day in quarantine life or a, a day in uh, a day in normal life. Well, let's let's do both and see because what the whole idea of this too is really to inspire people. And I know I'm going to lean into the app as well. Your beautiful app. It's it's Very about sweet. that. Even that we are in quarantine, it doesn't mean that we can't exercise. So maybe talk us through what a day looks like for you right now in this current situation. And maybe even what it looked like before. A, a day, uh, a day that wouldn't have been quarantine. I would not have had that conversation I just had. Um, so pre-quarantine, usually I would get up in the morning, make my kids breakfast, take my kids to school, and I do share my kids with um, with my ex, who's uh, a dear friend and a fabulous co-parent. So there would be some mornings I don't have them, and I would immediately just jump right into work. But often I, you know, have breakfast, make the kids breakfast, feed the dogs. I have a host of creatures that live in my house um, and then kind of jump into my day. And my day would take me, you know, anywhere in the world. It really could be, all right, today I got to fly to Ohio to meet with the buyers at Kroger about our organic coffee company or Today, I've got a photo shoot for the cover of Women's Health UK, or I've got three meetings about um, a potential investment in a supplement company that we're looking at, or a development shoot for the app. So it was a lot of, you know, all over the place, all the time, um, traveling one of the days I didn't have the kids, and then normally get the kids around four-ish to go to see their karate or their soccer practice or, you know, whatever activity they're in that day, gymnastics or what have you. So usually show up to that around four o'clock, um, pick up the kids. I'm a terrible chef, scoop dinner, or my girlfriend might be lucky. She might make dinner and end up spending kind of the rest of that afternoon, that evening with my kids, getting like the down low on how was your day? What did you learn? What was your favorite part of the day? What part of the day did you hate the most? Like, and then playing with them, whatever it could be, like maybe it's a dance party or maybe they show me their karate forms or maybe 
we play a game of Monopoly or maybe we just literally sit in front of the Xbox and fight Mortal Kombat, read them stories, put them to bed, and then spend that hour usually with my girlfriend somewhere in that day, hopefully getting a half an hour workout in four times a week, um, maybe a little bit longer getting to that gym. If I don't have the kids, then it could have been like a date night with my girlfriend or possibly a dinner with some good friends, just a typical, you know what I mean? Like mm. I felt like I had a pretty good balance and I was very lucky to have it, you know, and I'm lucky to love what I do. And, you know, my kids are just typical kids. They're, they're great kids, but they're no better than anyone else's. But I mean, it's like, you know, I like, I love my kids. They, they make me happy. They make me laugh. They challenge me all the time. I love my friends. I love my girlfriend. And I, I had like a nice kind of balance of things. And, and I would squeeze in various activities, whether it's paddle boarding on the ocean or horseback riding or hitting the gym. And I, to give it to you in a nutshell, I had what I call a 12 hour rule. And if you look at, all right, you know, we have, we sleep, let's say we're sleeping eight hours a night, which people tell me is not possible. And my answer is if I can figure it out, anybody can figure, can figure it out. So if you have 168 hours in your week, right. And you're sleeping eight hours a night. So you now have 112 waking hours in a seven day week. If you spend 50 on the family and you spend 50 on your career, but you take 12 hours and you schedule your doctor's appointment, could be your dentist, could be your OBGYN, could be an elective procedure, maybe you need to see the podiatrist, but you have one of those a week, maybe one every two weeks, depending on how much you need. One self-care appointment, maybe it's getting your hair done, getting your nails done, right? A self-care, maybe you're getting a massage one week. Okay, great. You've now got, let's say, three of those hours of the 12 gone. All right, we've got four half hour workouts. Okay, that's two hours. Maybe you take a little more. Maybe you take three more hours. You've scheduled that in. You got a date night. You've got a hobby you love to do. You've got friends. I can get all of that into 12 hours in my week. So 12 hours, I would make sure that I had time for hygiene, time for my health checks, time for my fitness, time for my friends. And it was enough. And I found I could balance that really well. So pre-COVID... <laughs> That was my, that was what life looked like. Well, and I, I do, I agree with that. I think eight hours sleep, eight hours work and eight hours for self, whatever that is, like as you were explaining. Ooh, I love that formula. That's a good one too. Nice. Yeah. So for our listeners, what, uh, what, what does that look like today? Um, how do people keep, you know, we talked about fear to, to, and the way that I do it, I don't watch the news, I don't listen to the news, I don't read a newspaper, that's how I do it, and everyone will have their own way. But what can we do from home using your app, exercise, what would now a day look like for you? Oh, you're very sweet. I mean, using my app, look, I, <laughs> of course, look, I'd love it if people use the app, but you, you don't need to. So my app existed before COVID. It, it basically allows me to be your personal trainer, right? So there are over a thousand different exercises. My entire DVD library is in the app. I can create workouts for you on demand in the app. You can say, I have no equipment. I have the following pieces of equipment. I want a 10 minute workout. I want a 30 minute workout. I'm a beginner. I'm advanced. I want an ab program. Give me kickboxing. I want yoga. 
meal plans, all created by registered dietitians and chefs. You could be vegan, omnivore, paleo, gluten-free. Literally the whole thing is catered to you. And that's great. And it's a tool and it exists. And we, we, <laughs> we put free seven minute workouts on there during COVID to literally just say to people, Hey, I get it. Download the app and just show up for the seven minute workouts. They cost you nothing, nothing. You don't need any equipment. Just show up for that. And if you don't show up for that, I don't care. Go, go on YouTube and find somebody you love. If it isn't me, it doesn't, it doesn't matter as long as you love doing it and get a dance workout in, get a Matt Pilates workout in, try yoga, do some kickboxing in your living room. There are plenty of things you can do with your own body weight. In fact, I've built an entire fitness empire on at-home fitness using nothing but body weight for the most part and possibly some dumbbells, right? So there's nothing you can't do. The key is while you're home deciding, I'm going to take advantage of this opportunity to become healthier and become fitter and prioritize my self-care as opposed to letting it go, if that if that makes any sense. Mm, absolutely. So, I saw something the other day and I, I'm kind of kind of going on a tangent again, forgive That's me, right. but it was a it was a meme on a very popular fitness platform. And it was like, hey, don't worry about gaining weight and letting yourself go right now. And everybody was like, oh, yeah, that's good. That, yeah. And I thought, God, that's so PC and it's such bullshit. That is sympathy for you. Saying like, oh, you sad, sorry, weak, pathetic thing. I get you're such a mess. Don't worry about it. It's the absolute worst message you can give somebody. It validates all of their deepest, darkest fears about what they're actually capable of and what they deserve. What you should be saying is, hey, you, I get it. This sucks. This is scary. And it, you know, it, it makes me feel out of control too. But here's what we can do. We can take control in the following ways. So show up, even if it's just seven minutes a day or preferably 20 minutes, four to five times a week. And if you've got more, I will take it. But now is not the time to check out. Now is the time to check in. So while you're home, how can you maximize? What can you learn? How can you grow? Want to take up a language? Awesome. Want to, want to fix a health problem? Do it. Want to lose 10 pounds? Make it happen. Take advantage of the time. Now isn't the time to go, woe is me. Now's the time. Like, what was it, right? When the tough gets going or when the going gets tough, the tough get going. Yes. Get fucking going. That's what I have to say right now. Yeah. It's so That's true. What <laughs> it's so true because, you know, you think about it, like movement is the best way to remove stress out of the body. My God. It, it, it's... It, study after study after study after study after study will show how it can improve your mood, not just your physical health, but it changes your brain chemistry. I mean, it changes your entire biochemistry. Your whole hormone balance is shifted when you work out. So my God, I mean, and again, I get it. You're like, I can't show up and give me seven minutes a day. Hence the reason I can say, hey, download the app, don't pay anything, and just use the free seven-minute workouts or go to any other platform and find something you like, pop it up on your TV. You can stream apps to your TV too. 
and show up even if it's just seven to 10 minutes. I don't need perfection, but I do need effort. Mm. And it, it's, it, and we're all capable of that. It's so true. And seven minutes is not much. I mean, all I've heard is people will say, geez, you know, staying indoors, we're drinking a lot more wine at nighttime. We're not exercising. And, it's you know, it's sad. I know. And I, for a little while, I maybe drank a bit more than I I usually do because I don't drink much. I, I, I drink about four glasses of something a week usually red wine could be sake maybe a beer here or there the occasional whiskey but that's about it and I get it right there were days where I was like mother of god and I I I had a few nights where I drank a little bit more than uh, than I normally do but I also am moving my body enough and I'm managing my diet. I'm not overeating. I'm being proactive. And I get I get that you're looking for comfort. I understand. And there's nothing wrong with that. I want you to treat yourself the way you would treat your children, right? You, What would you do for them? Hmm. You'd reaffirm them. You'd nurture them. You'd validate their feelings right now. And then you would help guide them into something like, hey, you know what? I have an idea. Why don't we go outside and, you know, play a game of like play a bass, like horse. Let's go shoot some hoops. Why don't we go and, you know, my daughter loves Barbie dolls, loves them, loves them, loves them. I'm like, want to play dolls? You know, get her. I get her in activities that she loves. I get my son doing things he loves. I'll let them FaceTime with a friend. I let them watch their favorite show. You want to play a few games of Fortnite on Xbox? Let's do it. Like you can nurture yourself and indulge. But I want you to do it in ways that aren't self-destructive. I don't need you eating quinoa and, <laughs> you know, I don't need, I don't need perfection. You want to veg out and watch your favorite show on Netflix? Go ahead. But what I don't want is don't eat crap you don't need, right? Don't mm. drink more than you need to. Don't absolutely abandon your fitness regimen because that is going to do way more harm than good. It really isn't life affirming. And one of the things I tell people to do is I want you to think it through. So in AA, they call it thinking through the drink. I'm not in AA, but I've actually studied the program because it's so incredibly impactful for people. And a lot of those techniques can be applied to many other things we want to achieve in life. So you go to the pantry, right? You're like, I deserve this. I've had a horrible day. I'm looking forward to this. This is my control. This is my treat. And I deserve it. Fair. No problem. You eat it. How do you feel? Good. Okay. Now you've put the entire thing down. You ate the whole bag of chips or whatever. How do you feel? Potentially regretful, right? Wishing you hadn't, maybe a little lethargic, whatever. How do you feel the next day when maybe you're holding a pound of water or at the end of the week, if the scale's gone up a half a pound, think it all the way through and then deal with whatever emotions are coming up for you in the moment in the way you can call a friend journal, be proactive wherever you can be proactive, nurture yourself in ways that are not harmful. Mm. I, uh, I'm having a little, uh, I've got a smirk here on my face because I'm relating to it. I, I, I 
tend to spend a lot more time in my pantry than ever before since we've <laughs> locked down. And I've got this little note here on my desk saying, are you being the observer of your mind? Because it's about being conscious uh, because I, I think a lot of the stuff that we do, whether it's emotional eating, is very very much an unconscious uh, driver. We're not even aware half the time that we're doing it. But I do... I did notice that I'm spending a lot more time in my pantry um, and I'm I'm very, I eat healthy, but what I've done, I've actually put some, you know, every now and then I might crave a licorice. I've locked it in my car so I don't see it. So it's really funny. As you're sharing this, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, it's, I'm feeling, I'm really relating to the the topic right now. I love it. That's hilarious. I know. So, Julian, as we start to wrap up the show, we always love to ask our woman of inspiration to pick one word that best describes her personal brand. What would be that one word for you, my dearest? It would be empowerment. Yes, absolutely. And the last thing that we love to uh, leave as we uh, wrap up is to pick three shiny golden nuggets that you would like to leave for our listeners today. So they could be like three practical exercises for our audience. Okay, let's see. I I like the either practice that when God willing life ever gets back to normal, or even if it doesn't, practice either the twelve hour rule, or I really love your triple eight rule, where it's like you sleep eight, you work eight, and the other eight is yours. Like I love that. That's that's actually kind of awesome. Um, so practice that. Schedule self care. Build it into your daily routine. It's, it's not an option not to do it. Um, I would say the second thing is, I mean, going back to that piece of advice of trust your gut, because there's a lot, especially now, right? There's so much misinformation. There's so many different opinions mm. and there are so many different ways forward. Do what's right for you. Do what's right for your family. Trust yourself. And if it doesn't feel right, don't do it. Don't do it. And that's okay. You know, there, there are, doesn't matter what other people think. Doesn't it, that's irrelevant right now. The best way forward is for you to trust your gut and take care of yourself. And then I think my third thing would be eat your vegetables. Always eat your vegetables. Always. Mm, <laughs> I love that. I love it. Absolutely. So Julian, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show and sharing not just your wealth of wisdom, but your passion your time and energy. Thank you so very much. Oh my gosh, thank you. I've had an absolute blast. And just quickly, where would be the best place? We'll have all the show notes uh, uh, with the podcast. Where's the best place to find you for our listeners? Oh, uh, I mean, obviously Instagram, um, but my website is jillianmichaels.com and all my blogs and podcasts and everything is all there. Thank you so, so very much. Thank you. Thank you so very much for listening to today's episode. If you loved what you heard and this topic really resonated with you and you think it will help others, please share the show with your friends to help us make a difference. And if you want to be part of our mission to help empower the conscious people of this world to learn and grow, then the best way to help us achieve this goal is by giving us a good review on iTunes. Or please subscribe to the show. The more subscribers, the better the speakers for the show, which then means more value for you, so that together we can help the world become a better place. Don't give it another thought. Hit the subscribe button 
and help people get their weekly lessons. And when you do, please be sure to let us know by sending us an email to collect your special gift, where you have a choice from six guided meditations or an ebook to soothe your soul. Now, if you have any questions or special guests that you would like to hear from, please send us an email to support at katherineplanner.com.au and we will get right back to you. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook at Catherine Plano. That's it for now. Until next week, wishing you a fabulous day.